What up, bros? Um, what up, my bros? <laughs> Welcome to Brown Meets World. Welcome to Brown Meets World. Your boy Meets World Fun Goss. This is episode 89. I am Siege. And I am Tonothy Curtis. I have no idea why we're doing this, but I'm here for it. <laughs> um, I actually have an excuse, and I actually want to make a disclaimer before this episode gets started that I had a minor medical procedure today, and I am definitely on Percocet. And I just want to make that known, just in case it seems <laughs> like I'm on Percocet. <laughs> Getting the perks from Percocet. You know. <laughs> okay, uh, why don't you tell them what's special about today's episode? Today's episode is special because we have a very special guest and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Uh, We are dealing with a very special episode today and we both felt like this episode needed a third voice, a third opinion to come in and give us their insight. Um, So will our guests uh, go ahead and uh, say what up to our uh, audience? What up, bros? This is Alex from uh, What Mean. Um, I do movies and TV and pretty much anything on my own podcast, one that you guys have been on. This is definitely not Thoroughbreds, though, what we're reviewing today. <laughs> it is not Thoroughbreds. As he mentioned, we were on his podcast and we reviewed the movie Thoroughbreds. And I will say it's similar in the dark themes. I'll give it that. Yeah. I have feelings because this is rated as one of the higher episodes, like fan favorite. But watching it, I was like, is it though? Is it though? Um, So I'm really excited to get into it. I have some controversial thoughts about this episode. I look forward to hearing what they are. So should we just dip into the tell me about it? Yes, we should. Hit us with the tell me about it. Tell us about it. Tell us all about the show. Sean gets lured into a cult and turn his life comes to a halt. Good for you. I tried. I really tried on that one. Guys, we need theme songs. We need songs. Tell me about it. Just send them in. We promise we'll just throw it on. Okay. Oh, you know what we didn't do? And I'm so I'm just going to back up a little bit. Alex, before we get into the tell me about it, you didn't tell our audience your relationship with Boy Meets World. And yes. Oh, gosh. Remember, oh, yeah. one of us is on Percocet. I won't say which one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, just going real quick, um, Boy Meets World is definitely one of those shows. It's like one of my top 10 shows, one of those shows that when it's kind of like comfort food, I guess, is what I would equate it to. It's uh, one of those where if, if I'm having a rough day, I put on Boy Meets World and end up feeling better either through like the goofy stuff that's going on through Eric's like antics or like some of the good life lessons that you learn in there. It's one of those comfort food shows for me. That's Grey's Anatomy for me. But I I mean, like Boy Meets World is clearly part of my life at this point in time. Honestly, it was Boy Meets World for me too. But now that I'm rewatching it, there's just a lot of things that aren't hit in the same way. I got to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so while we are talking about that, let's head off with season four, episode 21, Cult Fiction. When a lonely Sean starts hanging around with a new group of people whom he defensively describes as not a cult, Jonathan Turner tries to stop him before it's too late. But Sean does not want his help because he does not believe Mr. Turner really cares about him. 
However, when Turner gets into a motorcycle accident, it forces Sean to reevaluate, reevaluate his choices. He leads the cult with a new faith in God himself, the future, and those who care for him. I am so glad they brought up the God part because I was like, so one cult for the next? I mean, like, <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, we're about to anger a lot of Christians who listen to this because I am not and I have thoughts. But keep going. I, I was just going to say that, like, I think the reason why this episode is rated so high, if I had to guess, is because this is a, like, the most Shawnee episode I think we've had this season. This kid had a a, what, a two minute monologue. Have we ever had a character have a monologue in, in like like this? I mean, he establishes himself as the lost puppy you want to take care of. I think in this episode, and I think that's why it's rated so high is because people have they formed a relationship with Sean through this episode. I remember this episode being a lot better than it was. <laughs> I do think, uh, being a Christian, I do think like I think that the whole God element of this kind of came out of nowhere. Like I was kind of just like this was really weird from him to go from. I'm slightly troubled all of a sudden. I suddenly believe in God. Like, it's just, it felt weird. As someone who grew up in a very religious environment, who is no longer religious, I still get defensive about the thought behind Christianity. And whenever I see people use it as like a plot line, I'm like, that, I'm not religious and that feels disrespectful. For like a character to find God all of a sudden out of nowhere just feels dismissive and it feels very lacking of depth, especially when that character never comes back. If Sean was now a Christian from here for, you know, here on out, and this was now part of his character, I feel like, fine. What you've done is you've put in a step that will eventually lead to a longer journey. But that's not what they do. They really use it kind of as a messaging plot, maybe like some ABC propaganda. I don't really know what the purpose was here, but I feel like someone went to Bible study on a Wednesday and wrote the script on a Thursday. That's how I felt. I can echo both points that you guys are making because, um, you know, to Alex's point, you know, this did come out of nowhere. There was no reference to Sean struggling with beliefs. In fact, we haven't even seen his parents since the first half of the season like and when we left off on them they were doing great so like we have no reason to believe he should be feel lost in fact he should feel more complete because his family unit's there like that's what the story they were trying to tell the first half of the season so it's odd that this is like he's having this like soul searching struggle of where do I fit in in this world um and to Siege's point this never comes back. Turner doesn't even come back. Like it doesn't, they don't come back to the story whatsoever. And to tackle a subject like religion or, you know, we've seen them tackle race and then like abandon like everything they learned in that episode or they'll tackle sexism and then completely turn around and do the same thing to women three episodes later. Like they really have a hard time of just like learning these lessons because if so, like you're right, Sean should have a different outlook on life the next time we see him and in fact that's not really the case he in fact he just continues to go into this spiral of trying to feel fill the gap inside of him i feel like that's the the message they should have stuck with as like the central point of him trying to fill this gap in the various ways he's trying to he tries to do that but instead it's centered around of all things a cult 
which is so weird. I feel like a lot of this probably doesn't stand up to like binging it or watching it how we do now. Because I feel like with this episode, yeah, if it was its own standalone episode, it'd be one thing. I know it's been made fun of a lot. I don't know if you guys have seen that YouTube video where it's like a very special episode of Boy Meets World where they yeah. go beat by beat and talk about it and like kind of just make fun of it a little bit. I haven't, but I feel like it's made by the same people who do Zach Morris's trash. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, if you find it on YouTube, watch it. It's wonderful. I'll make sure to link it uh, in this episode, but keep going. I guess just going off of that, the total mishandling of Turner in this, um, like where, all of a sudden he starts caring again about like Sean after like the longest time of just not really caring or saying anything. And then all of a sudden like he's giving him the third degree for no real reason. It kind of comes out of nowhere, like this whole episode. Thank you. Like, so that was one of the, my first notes was like, all of a sudden Turner cares. It feels too little too late. It's like all of a sudden he's not just talking to Sean about the cult, but like just talking to Sean about his direction in life. And like, we have this bond and later on they're like, Mr. Turner's like a brother to you. And I'm like, since when? Like, since he got back, started living with his parents, we have not seen them interact at all. Even though there have been plenty not of times. once. There have been plenty of times where the boys or even Sean could have used some guidance, especially from Mr. Turner. We haven't done that at all. And I was like just thrown off by like all of a sudden Turner caring. And then I will say, even though I knew how this episode ended, because I haven't watched in a while, I was also really caught off guard at Turner like the announcement that Turner was in the hospital. I was like, well, that came out of nowhere. Like, it's just like Feeney goes off because his phone's ringing and he comes back and he's like, Turner's in the hospital. And I was like, oh, I thought there was like way more of a link of the cult and Turner. For some reason in my mind, I like made a backstory where Turner confronted um, Mr. Mac. And like, like there was just- That sounds um, like a better episode. <laughs> that was just like what I- thought I remembered, but no, Mr. Turner and Mr. Mac never meet each other. And you're like, okay, so what was the point of this other than to use this connection from last season as a motivation or pivotal point for Sean? And I just thought that it was very weak sauce. <laughs> and, and, and I gotta say, um, you know, from the perspective of the actor uh, that plays uh, Turner. Anthony Tyler Quinn, I think is his name. Um, what a just kind of a disrespectful way to treat this character that you've invested so much in. Like, they literally had him become Sean's guardian for the whole second season, I think it was, and our, our third season, and to, to have them build this bond that they just kind of completely abandoned just feels, it just feels like they don't, they're not respecting their audience. They, like they've invested so much, they've given us so much storyline of them and we never see it manifest to anything until this episode. It almost feels like this episode should have been last season. She, this episode should have happened last season before, and then his parents come back. And then that happens because this really feels so out of place and, and at the end of the fourth season where he's been absent. I think that TC, you're right. Last season, it would have made way more sense um, and even when I think about it, we haven't seen Sean's parents at all since like the Thanksgiving episode. So the idea that they are now out of town, but earlier in the episode, 
Sean was like, I have people who care about me. It's like, we, we're getting mixed messages and I don't like it. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Would it have been more impactful if at the end of this, like Turner died or something like that. It was just so weird, like to have all of this, like, you know, this big pivotal moment and then you never see him again. And then they have like this offhanded, like kind of just like disrespectful, like, oh, he's at the other end of the school or whatever. That's why you guys never see him or whatever. I'm like, what What are we doing? Like this guy was like a big character and they just either forgot how to write him or they just didn't care anymore and kind of just pushed him off to the side. At least with Minkus, they like gave an excuse for why Minkus is gone. You know what I mean? Um, we see Harley and Griff have some kind of ending to their story, so to speak. Uh, Joey the Rat, like every, like we get reasons for people to come and go, but for them to have someone like Turner, who used to be a, a starring role, and dismiss his character and use it like in such a frivolous way, felt very, very disrespectful. Like, honestly, if we're going to be honest, even having Verna would have made way more sense because Verna, like, if it wasn't Mr. Turner and they just kind of did what they did with Eli, where he just goes away, having Verna be the one who gets into an accident and is in critical care would make way more sense because you're actually getting not only someone that Sean cares about, but you're getting this person and this character that we don't really see. So we wouldn't make, it wouldn't be disrespectful to see them injured in any way. For our roll call, I actually wanted to highlight that this is, we've talked about it a little bit, the final appearance of Anthony Tyler Quinn, who plays Jonathan Turner, which means this is our last turned on by Turner moment. Um, this is basically because this is his last episode, I will say that he's giving me Patrick Swayze ghost hotness. You know, like, oh, he's, okay. he, he has, like, the billowy shirt. He has the broad shoulders in the beginning of the episode. This is a, uh, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, turned on by Turner. <laughs> nice. It's definitely not uh, the tank top wearing uh, scene in his apartment from earlier on. His uh, golden <laughs> years, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing. He cut the hair, and all of a sudden, they were like, what do we do with this guy? You're useless to us. <laughs> Yeah. His mullet made him work. He's one of the full guys, one of the only guys I'll admit that about. His mullet worked for him. Um, one thing I wanted to say about Turner uh, was that, at, did you guys notice that in the classroom scene where he's talking to Sean, at one point he kind of like apologizes to Sean because he's like, wow, I didn't realize that you felt so lost. Like he takes accountability for Sean feeling like he's so lost and like, oh, wow, I really kind of messed up by not being there for you. And like maybe this whole like sh Turner being absent for the last few episodes and then him saying that was him kind of like acknowledging that he's been doing his own thing and he hasn't been the one who's been checking in with Sean. And that's why he feels the need to apologize. If, if I'm just, you know, throwing spaghetti on the walls, because um, I just thought that was a really interesting moment where he felt the need to like take, take accountability for it. I could definitely see that because like what from what we've seen, like they used to be pretty close and then um, just gradually over time, either through the writing or through, you know, whatever um, they've kind of drifted. So I could definitely see him being like, crap, I didn't know how deep 
like this was until he finally said something like you can definitely tell he is remorseful and kind of maybe thinking about that. I could definitely see that. For all of those who are listening who have seen Girl Meets World, Turner clearly comes back in, in the spinoff series. But I just want to talk about this season, this universe, this series as is, because to dismiss Turner the way that we did seems unfair, especially when we could have given like a line of dialogue or some kind of closure where it's like he's in therapy you know he's in physical therapy he's getting back on his feet we could have said that you know he went back to his parents and his family um they're Connecticut right yeah he deserved a proper exit and the fact that they didn't give it to us is very dismissive not only of the audience as we are like binge watching but of the audience as kids you know you wanted us to be invested in this character and then you completely just wrote them off and with a tragedy and you just kind of walked on by and more than anything you left us with this prayer to god and that was how we know that he's going to be okay. It's because Sean, for the very first time in the entire series, prayed to God. And that faith, I guess you could say, is their way of saying he's going to be all right. We don't hear it from a doctor. We don't see Turner open his eyes. We don't get any hint from him other than the moving of the fingers and Sean's confidence in the situation. Again, I'm going to argue that Turner doesn't make it. And the fact, <laughs> I, I feel like that would have been the stronger episode if Sean learns his faith through Turner's passing versus just an accident. Because again, if, if this was supposed to mean something, how come we never see this dude again? So it's all over the place. All right. So also in our roll call, we have Jerry Levine as Mr. Mac. Um, let's talk about Mr. Mac a little bit. Basically, he is one of the least threatening like cult leaders like ever and how this is kind of one of the least threatening cults I think I've ever seen. Well, so it's funny. This isn't my homework, but we just started watching this new documentary on HBO that's about the celebrity cult of, um, God, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Nexium XV or something like that. And the thing about cults is they always have a non-threatening leader. They usually have someone who's very welcoming, very understanding of the situation that you're in. And they target individuals who... Are, they are just not what you expect. Like I remember when I was in college, I did this whole paper on cults and the target of cults is actually not individuals who have the worst childhood or like a very terrible upbringing. It's of people of means and of privilege who lack direction. And that's one of the things that we kind of saw is that Sean kept being like, I don't really know who I am. I don't really know what I believe. And that was kind of how Mr. Mac found his way in. Maybe Mr. Mac wasn't the worst person either, because at one point, Alan threatens to murder him. And Mr. Mac rightfully says, hey, I think this is a toxic environment for Sean. And honestly, I agreed with Mr. Mac. And I was just like, hmm, maybe there's something to this, this uh, center place that we should give another look to. <laughs> The fact that Mr. Feeney at one point says, like, is very aware of Mr. Mac and the cult and, like, makes this big point of saying, oh, I've been trying to shut him down for, like, years or something like that. I'm just like, 
where is this coming from? Like, why haven't we heard about this before? If this is such like a big problem kind of thing. It's really hard to watch this show and it's kind of like continue continuality errors or dropped uh, storylines because they're like, I just watched, I'm watching Smallville right now. Like, and. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm watching. (laughs) How's that? It's actually not bad. And the reason why I say that is there are story threads. There may be something that happens in one episode that two, three episodes later comes up and it was like, oh, that small thing that you noticed here is now relevant. And I feel like very much like Alex was saying, if we had seen uh, the Lily, the Sherry character earlier in class and then all of a sudden she disappeared or like Feeney had like another student that he had brought up concern about in an earlier episode at some point in time. That's what would be done modern in modern times. There would be breadcrumbs to lead us here. But I guess with like 90s television and 23 episodes, you know, like they were like, ah, we could just, you know, all of a sudden we're going to Hawaii and all of a sudden the kids are, um, game show contestant celebrities and now there's a cult and it's just like plot of the week. It is what it is. And you're here for the ride. I will say, and I, and again, maybe I'm looking into something that I shouldn't, but I, there was a line that Sean said when he first walked into the center and he was like, wow, these are all your friends. And it just made me realize that Sean's only friends are fucking Corey and Topanga he has no one else and and maybe that's like that line was supposed to kind of like hint at something of Sean's loneliness because why wouldn't he feel lonely when he's constantly the third wheel oh I like that um Alex what do you have? right um I was thinking about that too have we gotten to the point because they're at the beginning of the episode there's a point where like I know it comes off as a joke but Turner's talking about like how um, Sean's parents are trying to like fix their marriage and then um, Corey and Topanga are like planning theirs or whatever and we cut to them and kind of in their own little world and then Sean's just kind of off to himself like kind of left just to deal with his problems and kind of just stuff them down I guess because he knows that um, Corey's going to be too busy you know just with stuff with Topanga and so like maybe he feels like he has nowhere to turn to kind of thing. The show does this sometimes. Sometimes you know, Corey and Topanga's relationship is a problem for Sean, and sometimes it isn't. And there's not really a lot of consistency there either. Well, I would say that with any friendship, sometimes it is, you know, like if you have a friend couple and you're the third wheel, sometimes it doesn't bother you. And then sometimes you're like, oh, yo, this is what I'm talking about. This is uncomfortable. But yeah. um, even on that whole thread, I when I saw that scene, I thought the difference between quality over quantity and for her to be like all of these people are my friends and Sean to be like oh wow everyone here is your friend it's like yeah but how many of those are like a true connection how many people here is she actually friends with as opposed to Corey and Sean and Turner and then later on the Matthews and Feeney all of these people truly care about Sean and there may not be as many but they are willing to go to bat for Sean in a way that no one else in that room was. We don't even see uh, the Sherry character 
outside of the center. Um, which brings up the third person in our road call, Tamara Mello, who plays Sherry. I met her as Lily Esposito on the show Popular. So every time I see her, I just think of the show Popular. Popular. <laughs> oh my God, what a throwback. Yeah, that's what I remembered her from. And that's who she was to me. I wasn't as familiar with her. Um, I do listen to another podcast called, um, it's actually about Smallville. It's called Always Hold On to Smallville. And they talk about like how in some episodes they'll have like a Trevor or something like that, where it's just like all of a sudden they'll just refer to this person as if like they've been going to class with them forever, basically. And yes. so I feel like that's what her character very much is in this. It's like, oh yeah, she appears for this one. But then like, as the show goes on, there's no like, kind of like you know bringing that up like hey you remember that time that girl tried to make you join that cult or whatever like it's never brought up again <laughs> i was gonna say as much as i'm watching it my my real concern was like with feeny you know there would have been breadcrumbs with with feeny but you're right in like smallville i was like at some point in time people have to notice that the assholes in school are just disappearing you know it's like it's like there have been like nine guys this year <laughs> they won't notice because everyone gets amnesia in smallville all yeah. the time <laughs> as i said i'm still in season one but uh yeah no oh, I, just wait <laughs> i think we can all agree that part of it is just required for a sitcom and you allow that forgiveness but i think the problem with this particular episode is it uses such a distinct character in Turner's accident and we do such a pivot with Sean's prayer to God that you have to question why like if like most of the stories of the week that happen to in other tv shows like Smallville well the consequences are for other people so it makes sense that they would move on but if all of a sudden Clark Kent lost his arm and it was there the next week you'd be like wait a minute i feel like this was important you know what i mean i think the continuality problems of boy meets world are kind of part of this kind of inside joke that all boy meets world fans have is that like we know that this shit doesn't make sense like i think turner said to sean like hey you're a junior this year and i was like I, have they, is it, has that been mentioned yet? Maybe it has, but I just, like, I know that there's been great jumps here and there, you know? So, like, it, it's part of that ongoing joke of Boy Meets World is that they just didn't think these things completely through. Um, I just, I, I want, I have kind of a controversial statement that I want to make and I want to get your thoughts. Um, Ryder Strong's acting for his monologue was not great. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I, I, I know that people love Sean and they built this relationship with Sean in this episode, but rewatching this, I was just like, really? Like, I, I didn't believe that he was really calling out to, to the Lord. I didn't believe it. I didn't feel that that was accurate. He definitely makes a weird face. And this, whenever he actually is, I'm just like, it's like borderline like crying slash like just calling out. That's always bothered me. I've never like talked about it before, but yeah, you're exactly right. Like I've watched him like... It's not his best, uh, best acting here. It's not like A plus. I call it like a C, basically. Like I kind of phoned it in a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I feel like it lacked any depth because the actors themselves didn't really believe what was going on. Again, like everything that happens in this episode is kind of unbelievable. 
Um, and it doesn't really tie into what we know this world to be. You know, like the, I'll say some of the best acting we get are from the adults. So the idea that Feeney is like really furious with Mr. Mac and he's just angry at Sean um, for kind of buying into this. The idea that Alan is infuriated and it's like, I will protect Sean at all costs because he is family. I believe that. But the, this is a hug scene. It's like, it's great dialogue, but I don't believe it. Like, like I no. don't believe that the kids believed what they were doing and therefore it fell a little flat. Totally. You, you kind of touched on something else I wanted to mention, which is, I feel like this is one of the first episodes where Alan takes on the surrogate dad role for Sean. And I think that's definitely something we're going to see more and more as the show goes on. But like, this was kind of the first time he kind of really put his foot down and you felt like Sean was a part of the Matthews family. And I I'm, I'm sure there's been episodes before where there's been that, but it really felt like a very strong declaration um, in this episode. Well, yeah, because Sean is always just kind of like the annoyance, like, like, uh, like whenever Sean is like, placed with the Matthews Alan's always kind of like another mouth to feed you know what I mean yeah <laughs> but this this episode showed that with all of that quote-unquote resentment he still sees Sean as family totally totally I wanted to bring up um the idea of how the cast of characters deal with Sean's integration into the cult and I say that to say that I feel like everyone approached it in a way that wasn't really helpful or didn't really give Sean reason to leave. If Sean's saying he's lonely and he feels misunderstood and everyone's yelling at him, telling him, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, like, you know, it's like, like you, you're, it just felt like they were belittling his concerns um, with the exception always of Amy, who was like, she just asked the question, why do you need this cult? Like, yeah. you know, Amy was like, all right, let's pause here a minute. And maybe we can get at the source of what you feel you're lacking. And I feel like that to me is what is really needed. If a friend of mine all of a sudden bought into a cult, yelling at him and telling them that, and you know, just like condemning him for his choice wouldn't do anything. We all know friends are going to do what they want to do. But I think that, kind of getting to the root of the problem or really trying to connect with them in a way that later Corey does when he's like, this is a real hug. Um, I feel like that is the way to go as opposed to the earlier tactics. I, I would also argue that Corey and Alan both did after their initial shock, which I will say wasn't the healthiest reaction had a moment where they were like, yo, bro, what do you even like believe in? Like I, I, Corey says, like, we talked about girls. We talked about sports. We talked about all this stuff, but we never talk about, a, he doesn't say faith, but he's basically saying, you know, we've never talked about faith before. And like, just where do you stand? Like, I'm not even trying to judge you. I'm just trying to hear you out. And Sean's just like, dude, I don't know. Like I, I haven't even put thought into this and I just feel like I'm lost in this. And it, it's interesting, you know, to, 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 to the, to the point siege was making earlier of like, they replaced one God with another. It, it, it does feel like 
there's I, I wish Sean would have kind of was able to fill the hole inside of him through his own grit. And, and because it, it does feel as though he's still leaning on things to, to fill that hole versus him being able to just come to that strength on his own, which I feel like would have been a more powerful story arc that would have made sense in this world since faith has never presented itself as a key factor before in this world. Right. Um, I definitely hear that. And like, even like you kind of said, like after this episode, he's still not really okay. Like at the end, he's like, he kind of pushes Mr. Mac away and it's like, I hear what you're saying, but like, blah, blah, blah. And then like Mr. Mac leaves. And, um, but he's still like, after this, he pursues, like if it hasn't happened already, still kind of fuzzy. He pursues a relationship with Angela to just kind of mimic Corey and Topanga because he thinks that's going to give his life more meaning. He's kind of totally yes. Woof! Coming in with the hot takes, <laughs> <laughs> and then he also does. He ends up doing the same thing with alcohol next season as well. Yeah, that episode did not come on on Disney Channel. I never remember seeing that. No, it didn't. <laughs> I- I actually don't remember that episode, so I look forward to it because it's talked about a lot. But um, I guess for me, honestly, most of the points that I had were brought up about this episode. I mean, again, I know that it is a fan favorite, but when I watched this episode, I was like, there are just elements that don't add up. And I think that it's, I think that it's a notable episode. And I think that that's the difference. It uses it presents us with as uh tc said sean as puppy dog it presents us as sean as lost boy it presents us with turner sacrifice you know like all of these things are very memorable but outside of that i just don't feel like it actually had the passion the intimacy the weight that it was going for it almost feels like they needed something for May sweeps. <laughs> um, I one one last take I had about this episode was that there was a lot of really shitty men moments in this episode that I wanted to point out. Um, when uh, Sean is initially asked to go to the center, he says something to the effect of, "Oh, I like girls with no judgment." Um, <laughs> he, when he gets to the center, he's like, "It's either really cool or really creepy," but still kind of like in a way that he digs um, uh, Corey's reaction to Sean gives him a hug at one point and Corey like pushes him away. Like, like, dude, don't give me a hug. I don't want people to think I'm gay with you giving me a hug like this, bro. It just felt, it felt weird. Um, and there's also a moment where Eric is, goes to the center and he's like, no, fuck this center. I'm not doing this. And he gets one hug and he's like, here's the money. Where's the room? Like yeah. he's like paying for prostitution. And I mean, all of this, in addition to Alan threatening to murder someone, there was just a lot of moments where the guys in this episode said things or did things that was like, wow, this may have been a bigger talking point in another episode that didn't have such a ridiculous premise. Um, I definitely, the one comedic part I do like talking about the Eric thing was when he, he tries to join uh, the cult again, and Mr. Max like, no, no, like we, uh, we're all good, or like we have our memberships full, or whatever. The idea that Eric got kicked out because he's just in it for the hugs was very, a com- very much a comedic moment, but also one of those situations where 
I was like, I'm a little bit confused, but also you seem to be wanting to respect the women who are in it. So I don't know. I'm torn. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Would we call this a bad episode? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you asked it. Um, I will say that I wouldn't call it a bad episode but i don't think that it's a good episode it's not as good as people remember it being i'll say that yeah exactly like i think that the idea of turner being the one who really shocks sean out of this need um of or this feeling of emptiness is really important and i think that it's notable because it does at least pay respect to their relationship of what we knew from the previous season um and the idea i do keep coming back to as cheesy as it was i do keep coming back to the whole idea of this is a hug this is the difference like the fact that you know the cult opens up with a whole a hug is that is itself empty and Corey provides something that's the real thing. I really do respond to that moment, but I don't think that it's as fluid as people remember this episode to be. Sure, sure. Do you guys have a Feeny taught me? Like a, a, the main lesson or takeaway that we're supposed to have from this episode? Uh, I honestly, I look forward to seeing what you guys say because... My takeaway from this episode was that they did turn it wrong. <laughs> like that's that's what I get from it. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I again sometimes I I pick up on things that I think they're trying to say, but they don't say it very articulately. And I think the main theme of this episode, at least, should have been to Sean: beware of your vices. Because, you know, Mr. Mac has says this thing at the end of the episode. He says, you know, we'll always be there for you. And Sean says, yeah, I know. And I thought like it was almost this moment of him acknowledging that he'll always have an eternal battle to fill his holes, quote unquote, the easy way. And that's kind of uh, a reoccurring theme that we do see with Sean beginning with this episode um, through, you know, various vices that he has going forward you know, with all his tension with his parents and all these bad things that happen in his life, you know, he's constantly struggling with this kind of internal darkness. So I just thought that, you know, be wearing of your vices and understanding, you know, who, who the trust were kind of the big things to take away from, from this specific episode. Alex, I have a question. You chose this episode. When we invited you on, you could do anyone. You chose this episode. Um, and I know that you said that it didn't leave, live up to what you remembered. What did you take away originally from this episode? Why did you choose this episode? Keep in mind, I was watching cartoons when I was a kid. So like, <laughs> this was like high art, basically. So um, I remember it being a lot deeper than it actually ended up being. I remember also like the whole aspect of like a cult and everything kind of actually weirdly frightening me as a kid because I was very sheltered growing up. I went to like a Christian school growing up. So like the whole idea of like this kind of cult who could like take people that were like seemingly like lost or whatever and then like convert them over to this way of thinking and like really with no way out, like really kind of creeped me out as a kid. So like, I remember this being a lot deeper. I remember the Turner stuff being a lot more emotional 
And just coming back, it's I guess it's one of those things where it's like the older you get, the more I guess your tastes mature and kind of just like what you expect out of your entertainment matures too. So like I will always love Boy Meets World, but man, some of this stuff just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's really funny. I love that you said that because uh, thinking about it, maybe this is also iconic because it's the first time we've all been kind of introduced to the idea of cults and 100%. it was my first time and so that is what really clicked as you said alex with so many people is this idea and this fear of buying into something that could take you away from your family and friends and the circle that you like you know and love I think that maybe that idea, the novelty of that idea is what really stuck with people. Yeah. Um, All right. So dare we ask, what grade is everyone going to give this? (laughs) As always, Alex, we let our guests go first. What do you have? Given that there are, uh, it's not, it's not completely a terrible episode. It's not uh, the quiz show episode for me where it's like, (laughs) If I was on that, I would have given that like an F. Like, I do not like that episode <laughs> at all. <laughs> but um, considering like that they did make a genuine effort to like show some slightly more adult things and like kind of show like a different aspect of like Sean's character, it was fumbled, but whatever. I would give it a D. I think that's fair. Um, I think that, like, there are some elements that definitely elevate, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that's just botched here that kind of bring it way down. I love it. Okay, T, what are you doing? Are you letting me go first? Okay, okay, okay. You're right. So I actually feel a little bit vindicated because I am usually the lowest grade, um, but I'm going to give it a C minus. And I can't really say much why other than that's what feels right. Like it does not feel like it is a, the A episode that everyone makes it out to be. Um, But D for me feels like, for me, that the the worst episode I've ever given was the New Year's Eve train episode. I think <laughs> like like that for me was like what what are we doing? What is, what's going on here? So it wasn't as bad and as aimless as that. Um, so I think C minus is is where I'm gonna go. Okay, fine. I guess I'm just gonna be that guy. I'm giving this episode a B. I'm giving it a strong B. (laughs) Simply because, like Alex said, I will always reward them for trying to do something more mature with their storylines. You know, Siege kind of pointed out that we have had just straight up filler episodes in which we just couldn't even get through. We were so infuriated with how stupid the storylines were. And at the very least, I was entertained this entire episode. I wanted to know what was going to happen at every turn. I wanted to know where Sean was going to end up in his journey. And even though I didn't agree with a lot of the ways they handled it, um, you know, it was an episode that as a kid captivated me. And as an adult, I can understand why it captivated me as a kid. So for that reason alone, understanding who their demographic was, I give it a B. I'm not going to lie. I think part of my grade is the lack of living up to expectations. And I say that like willingly. I say being like, 
I remembered this episode. As I say, I had created a narrative in my head with Turner being involved and like all of these things and to watch it and it not meet any of those expectations. Um, it hurt in my gradient. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Homework. Homework. Alex, do you have any homework that you like to give our guests? I do have some homework. Um, so what I'm going to recommend, me and my fiance are currently doing a rewatch of Avatar The Last Airbender right now Ooh. and kind of leaning into that kind of mind control kind of cult thing they got going. Um, I would definitely recommend book two because they handle some of the adult elements a little bit better with the Lake Lao guy stuff and that whole kind of story arc. And I would just highly recommend that show with its adult themes and just everything. Oh, okay. Well, I have some homework to recommend as well. Um, I have begun watching HBO's new Lovecraft Country, and it is fucking phenomenal. I am in love with this. Jordan Peele plus J.J. Abrams equals just an incredible show. It's, and I'll even say this. It's very rare to see a horror adventure story. I don't, I don't, I can't think of many adventure stories that are horror based, which I just think is a very interesting um, uh, genre of, of storytelling in general. That was going to be my homework, but because <laughs> you used it, I will also say that my homework will be the companion podcast, Lovecraft Country Radio, which is Ooh. hosted by one of the writers uh, of the show and another black woman. And they go through the episode's themes and they talk about so many hidden details and hidden references that are crucial to understanding the real depth of what they were trying to get at wow. in these episodes. Um, as I said, it's so layered and thick and I feel like anyone can watch it at any point in time and just watch it over and over again <laughs> and learn more and more. Um, but there are a lot of really cool references. And especially for those who like listen to our podcast are most likely into stories of people of color. The thing about this um, show is they are constantly bringing up the stories of black Americans and the history of Black Americans, and sharing things that so many people are unaware of. Like the, what is it called? The uh, Sunset Towns? Sundown Towns. And the idea of, um, you know, the good slave master. All of these things that are just crucial to American history. And especially... When they made a, a, a horror connection between the KKK and Wizards... Bro, amazing. It's just like, it's so well thought out. I just, it, it's it's wonderful. Uh, definitely check it out. HBO, um, two episodes, Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, highly recommend. Those are your homeworks. Again, so I just want to say real quick, thank you, Alex, so much for joining us. Uh, as I said, you yes, picked this one you. early on. You were like, cold episode, have me on. <laughs> <laughs> It's been great, guys. It's uh, definitely been like I know I listen to all y'all's uh, podcasts, so it's been great just uh, coming on. I can't wait till you get to the uh, Vortex episode where it's that black and white weird world. I can't wait till you guys get oh, to Oh, I hate that episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, Maybe yeah. that'll be another good one to have you on and see if it holds up to everything that yeah, you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't. I, I rewatched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's it for us today. Thank you guys for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all the places. Leave us a rating. Uh, reach out to us at Brum Meets World or email us at BrumMeetsWorld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at I am not your Oreo, uh, TC. You can find me on Instagram at a braver me at braver.me. As always, if you guys have thoughts about this episode, if you guys do think my theory that Turner actually died and he's been a ghost for the rest of the series that we've seen him, um, please let us know. Um, your thoughts and your uh, opinions are highly encouraged and we uh, want you to share them. Once again, I am on Percocet. <laughs> we thank you guys for going through this episode with us. Um, we look forward to hearing back from you. And remember to dream try and do some good do some damn good y'all later bros later bros <laughs>